I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, Kaspar Roos joins me by phone from the UK. Kaspar is founder and CEO of Aspire Customer Communications, a boutique consulting firm specializing in the CCM and digital customer experience industries. Kaspar, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Pleasure to be here. So, Casper, what kind of fun projects are you and the team at Aspire working on these days? Right, yeah. So, lots of stuff going on. I think most importantly, we launched the Aspire Leaderboard last year. It's a CCM vendor positionings portal, you know, digital first, very dynamic. It's also a portal where you can find industry insights and news. And we're working on updates for that one. So, we're currently assessing the major vendors in the industry and we're analyzing them and getting they're all ready for our update this year. And then also we're doing a primary research project to better understand how customer communications management, how that is evolving into digital customer experience. You know, we've seen that happening in the industry. We're talking about it a lot, but I think there's a lack of real data proof points. So we're, uh, we're going out to get some clarity there. Excellent. And in the customer communications management market or CCM market continues to evolve. And, and I think one, yes, it's shifting into more of a digital customer experience storyline, but part of that is driven by shifting client requirements, new technologies in the market. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what some of the more exciting advances are that you've seen today. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's all driven by, I think, digital transformation. So there are lots of enterprises now realizing they need to digitally transform the operations. And by doing that, they need to build better customer experience. CCM, omnichannel communications, are an essential component for that. And when we're sort of seeing clients evolving that, it's hard. It's sometimes, you know, you run into silos, you run into all kinds of challenges, you run into ownership challenges. So I think from an, if you ask me what, what excites me, what excites me is that we're seeing new technology being developed to take away some of those challenges. And just to give you a couple of examples, one is that we're seeing this segregation of composition and content. If you want to overcome silos, you can do that by focusing more on the content aspect and centralize the content and do that and manage the content centrally and then feed it into composition. So that's one aspect. Recently, I spoke to someone who was managing 400,000 templates, and there's no way you can manually migrate that stuff. So having AI technology to look for optimizations to rationalize those templates and then to drive a better experience. And to clarify, you did just say 400,000 different templates. Yes. Yeah, that was amazing. And, and, And the lady that I interviewed, she managed the team that dedicated content experts to optimize those communications. She had a team of, 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 I think she mentioned four or five people. Um, What they would do traditionally, they would look for a few hundred templates where they sort of knew that they were similar in content and they would print them out, they would stick them to the wall and they would basically go in manually with the team, read them and then basically mark up all these sections that they felt could be rationalized. And as he was saying, she was using technology now to optimize that stuff. And where in the past, it took her three months with three people. She could now do that in less than a day just by feeding all that stuff into an AI algorithm. Very cool. Now, how about the trend toward a more inclusive view of centralized management for marketing and transactional communications? How has that changed the landscape? Yeah, that's a very fundamental transition. 
And I think it's because CCM traditionally, when we talk about customer communications management as, as people who sort of know the industry, we almost almost sort of refer back to the billing and services communications because in the past it was all sort of transactional print and communications is sort of related to, to those whole, you know, transactional comms. But what we're seeing is that now this ownership is shifting away from IT more to the marketers and the line of business executives. And those guys are basically saying, well, let's use those communications in a more wider omni-channel workflow and, and look at it to help this drive more business value to basically say, look, we, we want to build better you know, loyalty or higher, better retention, higher loyalty. And, and we want to sort of embed acquisition communications into that overarching management as well as more onboarding and enrollment communication. So what you see is that this landscape is expanding. And by that, you basically run into all kinds of issues in how you manage that. So what I said before, we see a need to centralize the content. So that's a way of solving those issues. Another way is by focusing more on, on, on using modern solutions and use the cloud more and to say, look, maybe we embed online design ca- capability from a CCM tool into a CRM solution, for example. So, or maybe if you're in the claims management space and insurance space, to so say, look, we basically take that, that, that Guidewire or Duck Creek product and instead of relying on their template design capabilities, we now can actually, you know, pull or, or embed the CCM online design tool to basically have much richer and more robust design capabilities and then decentralize it through a composition tool. So that those are two areas. And then I think the third one is to say, look, we can also centralize that stuff downstream and, 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 and it's about grabbing those communications by using new type of software as well. Now, I'll give you an example. I was speaking to a UK high street bank a couple of weeks ago and we were talking to PM guys and they were saying that they had an issue because they've enabled the marketers to own communications, which was not a challenge. I mean, that's a good thing. They were using campaign management solutions to basically develop digital marketing communications, and they were quite happy with how to, you know, how they were enabled to do that. But the challenge was that the CCM team was realizing that the marketing guys were actually creating regulatory or compliance communications inside their campaign management tool, and that was causing an issue because. From a regulatory perspective, you want to make sure that you can actually put all those regulatory or those compliance communications in a central archive, that you can track them, that you can create all the reports to the regulator. And they were having a fundamental issue with that, which I understand. So they were saying, well, is there technology out there that allows us to basically grab that output and then we can centralize it before we send it to the end customer? And that technology is being developed. We're seeing more development in, in, in that area. So that's another fundamental transition where the customer communications management space is really sort of evolving. But besides technology, I think also when we look at enterprises, I think a key question that needs to be answered is who ultimately owns that journey? Who is it now that owns that overarching communication? And that's that's a big question because traditionally there are multiple people responsible for that, multiple silos, and it really needs to come from the top. Someone who says, yeah, we need to come up with some with some better ideas and better organizational changes and how to manage them. Yeah, we we talk a lot about the need for executive sponsorship because if you have if you have someone owning the customer journey that is within one business silo or line of business even at times, ultimately it doesn't feel like a corporate initiative. 
And so that's where if you yep. if you have someone reporting directly to a president or CEO that is a peer of all of those business functions, that that becomes a more interesting position for them to hold. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree, man. Absolutely spot on. So one of the things that that comes out of these discussions often around communications management is business desire to reduce costs. And that's often through reducing the total amount of postage they're paying for and the print and mail they're paying for. So I'd be curious to hear how North American companies compare to European companies and how others around the globe are doing when it comes to digital customer experience. Yeah, it's a great question. So first of all, let me start by saying that post-its or print suppression is one that's often sort of being put forward in a business case because it's an easy one to calculate. But, you know, there's lots of other ways to get savings. So there are IT savings that can be made by moving, you know, from a more traditional way of managing CCM to more digital. So, for example, you could, you know, save by moving your your infrastructure to the cloud. That, that reduces a lot of cost, especially when you have a lot of changing volumes with lots of peak volumes in certain, certain times of year. You can easily uh, scale up or scale down. There are savings that you can get by moving, you know, IT or moving ownership from IT to the business by using online design tools or business offering solutions. There are multiple ways of doing that. There's lots of operational costs that can be saved beyond just print suppression. So think about redesigning documents to save on call center costs or other sort of areas there where we see you know, operational savings. There, there are also risk savings, which are very hard to quantify, but a lot of CCM investments are also done to sort of reduce you know, the risk factor, for instance, not being compliant with a new regulation or being too dependent on a particular person that owns all the knowledge or the fact that there could be reputational damage with data breaches and, and all kinds of other stuff. So I think it's fair to say that the shift to digital from a cost and risk reduction perspective, print suppression is only one of the factors. But specifically to answer your question about how do European companies and the North American companies differ, I think, first of all, Europe is somewhat more ahead in terms of digital adoption, primarily because the regulatory landscape is so different. So you've got several European countries where governments have sort of actively mandated the transition or they're forcing digital comms, for example, certain tax offices across Europe are, are forcing that. Denmark is a good example where the, I think it's called eBook, there's sort of digital mail delivery mm-hmm. services sort of being mandated by the government. So you've got some of those you know, aspects in play. But then also the other aspect in the, in the US in particular, the volumes are so much higher compared to Europe. It's like, you know, significantly more. And then also it makes sense that you be very careful before you make any changes to how you communicate with your customers. And then also in some of the of your industries, I mean, think about U.S. healthcare in particular. It's a very punitive industry. If you mess it up, you get, you know, high fines. And you're not allowed to sort of participate in that, in, in the, in that market anymore. So you need to be extremely, extremely certain before you make any changes. So I think it's a combination of those factors. But I'm pretty sure that from a consumer perspective, the markets are pretty similar because that's to a large extent driven by sort of the, the new technology and changing consumers and, and millennials that are coming, you know, becoming a more bigger group who have completely different consumer or media consumption behavior 
than older generations. So fundamentally, I don't think the, the markets differ that much. It's more the regulatory landscape that basically shows those differences. It's a great point to highlight that from a consumer perspective, whether they're in North America or in Europe, I know we didn't talk about global per se, but but I think if we if we stick with the theme of most consumers have access to the same technology innovations worldwide in developed countries, then I think the next point becomes really important, which is consumer expectation to receive and ingest certain content may not vary significantly. It's really more the the governments, the laws, the labor unions, the you know everything else that that feeds how content is actually being distributed and the speed at which we move from a, a print base to a digital society. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I remember visiting a print and digital communication service provider in the Netherlands, your where you were born actually, that was talking yeah. about meteoric drops in printed communications. This was just a few years ago. And, and they basically said it was a fundamental requirement for us to shift to a digital communications provider nearly overnight because the migration was so much more aggressive than what we see in North America. It's really eye-opening to see how quickly that print suppression has come on in the Netherlands and places like the Nordics, where you have a strong governmental push to, to move away from paper. Yeah, exactly. So what I said before about Denmark, a country like Denmark that lost 60% of their physical address letter volume in less than a decade. It's, it's been, you know, off the cliff. And, and it's interesting, actually, that the Nordics are, are, are really high there. If you look at Germany, for instance, it's pretty flat. There's a bit of decline, but not as steep as when you go to the Nordics. And basically, to, to, to underline your point, it, it's because the government has mandated this transition to secure digital mailbox deliveries. And then other businesses climbed on the bandwagon and said, well, if you can do it, the government, then we should do it, and we can do it as well. And they basically really pushed this. And talking to European PSPs out of Northern Europe, Northern Western Europe, you know, they typically tell me they lose 15 to 20% of the print volume every year. So they got to develop new value-added services to stay relevant. So it's not just about paper suppression, and I think we've, we've established that. It's, it's really about creating a more engaging digital experience that helps drive desired behaviors. Can you speak to any examples generically where, where you're seeing some really exciting digital transformations happening? Yeah, so it, it's, when you look at services providers and when they are evolving and helping their customers to drive more business value through communications, it, it, it happens in various ways. So it's hard to say it's always this particular pattern that they follow. But generally speaking, I think it's, you know, one way to sort of do that is by deeper integrating into particular business processes. So that's a way for them to really drive the experience by optimizing the underlying business process. So we see this a lot with payment processes, for instance, to say, look, instead of having a, you know, a, a broken payment process, let's sort of digitize this and add sort of payment options within the communication piece, do it completely by mobile and, and all those things. And then also deal with, you know, with the archiving and some of the other sort of requirements there or the, or the payment processing in itself. Other areas where we see, you know, digital services are by making communication pieces more interactive. So adding a chatbot, for instance, to deliver instance of better customer service. The first is personalized videos. So we're seeing that actually growing. It's a great way of helping 
consumers to understand what the value is of a particular customer or brand just before they renew. We also see personalized videos being used more as part of the onboarding process where especially for complex products, you can send a personalized video. And for people who are not familiar with personalized videos, the way it works is you can, it's not simply saying a person's name. It's all about adding depersonalization by understanding what the product offering is and then tailoring some of those scenes dependent upon sort of what the offering is and really making it relevant for the recipient. So that's where we see a lot of that, that transformation happening where enterprises are becoming much more I would say, intentional in how they communicate with their customers and that they can recognize that at certain points of the customer journey, it makes sense to send particular type of communications, whether it's a printed document or whether it's more like an interactive personalized video, being able to switch between those channels dynamically and being able to track that and to optimize that and analyze that. I think that's where we see a lot of traction and where success really is happening. So from my own experience, I've had... I've received personalized videos for Delta Airlines for my frequent flyer end of year summary. Here's here's where you traveled the most. Here's how often you got an upgrade. Just kind of a thanks for traveling with Delta. And then the other one is AT&T, who's been doing it for years, but tends to give that personalized video when you make a change to your contract in some way. So, so some pricing change, something that usually would trigger a call center call. They're trying to preempt that by giving you a personalized descriptor of here's what's changed and why, and this will be your new recurring total amount. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's telcos. They they, they really recognize that this can really help them to drive call center calls down to prevent bill shock or to give customers (laughs) a little bit more guidance on when the particular bill comes in and to explain it to them. So, one of the challenges, though, is the this move to more personalized and more relevant communications. This whole wave has come preceding the GDPR and other data protection regulations. And, and I wonder how much that now stifles business desire to be more personalized because of the implications from a fines perspective of mismanaging that data. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Actually, most interestingly, it was Royal Mail who saw in, in the UK who saw a big drop after GDPR was implemented. I think in April 2018, it was, if I remember correctly, it was the date, or, or May 2018, it became a requirement. And I think they saw a 6 to 10% drop in, in direct mail volume because a lot of businesses didn't have opt-in permission to really send the direct mail piece to their right. customers. But then also, I think GDPR is probably... It's, it's all about getting opt-in permission and getting permission from your customers to do that. And once you've received that, that permission, I don't think it will actually change any of the stuff that we've been talking about. It's just probably a little bit more like that companies need to be more clear about what their, what their intent is. But in, in that sense, when you basically deal with your bank or your utility company, your insurance company, I doubt that GDPR as such is, is causing a massive issue. It's an hindrance in terms of getting legal to sign off on new deals and to sort of assess all the, all the implications. But that's, yeah, how I, how, how I see it, at least from my perspective. So looking forward five to 10 years, where do you think we're going to be from a customer communications market or digital customer experience perspective? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. I, I, I don't think the need for CCM will, will, will go away in itself entirely. I, I, there will always be a need to communicate with customers, but the nature of the communications is changing, right? So um, I think Gardner put this quote out where they said that by 2020, they believe that 85% of all your touches with a, with a brand as a consumer is basically fully automated. And I think that's right. I think what we're seeing now is that, you know, every time you think about speech recognition technology, think about chatbots, think about self-service capabilities, mobile apps where you can access all your communications. So in that sense, I think what we're seeing is separation between the delivery, which is completely automated, and then the orchestration. Now, this is interesting. I think the orchestration, and that determines who gets what, when, and you know what, what messages are we sending to what consumer at what point in time using whatever channel. That decision, that sits clearly in the business domain, and this control will shift through the marketing operations or the customer experience teams. Because ultimately, I think it makes sense to centralize that and to have someone at a central location be responsible for that. But at the same time, I also believe that IT operations will remain responsible for compliance, for security, data security, for data tracking and making sure that the communications are being archived. So I think what we'll see is that the IT organization needs to change. So a CIO needs to become much more like a broker. But at the same time, there is a need for the business to embed more of those communications management aspects into the customer experience thinking. And my sense is that AI and machine learning is really going to help with that. So initially, the business user will need to make those calls by themselves. So we're seeing now new technology being developed by leading CCM providers where a business user can go online, they can actually see the workflow, they can change it using drag and drop tools, very easy, very user-friendly and intuitive. But my expectation is that in the next five to 10 years, a lot of that stuff will first be sort of supported by machine learning, where the machine will basically tell the business user to say, well, you've basically set up this workflow, but actually we've analyzed all the interactions and we, we recommend you do this and this. And then in the, in the future, a lot of that stuff will become completely automated as well. Excellent. Well, Casper, thank you so much for your insights today. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for, for having me. I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. If you like this episode and think someone else would too, please share it, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn.